This is the People, Planet, Prosperity podcast, a project of Canada Action to bring you long-form, in-depth discussion from a positive, fact-based, and nonpartisan perspective about our vital natural resource sector. Hey everyone, this is Cody Battershall. I'm here with... Lynn Exner. Thanks again for joining us on the People, Planet, and Prosperity podcast, a deep dive onto issues affecting our resource sector and the families who depend upon it. Today, we are going to be talking about a just transition. This is something we're hearing a lot about. What does it mean? What are the implications? And how's it going to impact us? Yeah, Cody, the transitioning to a lower emission economy is obviously important to all of us. However, it is not something that's going to happen overnight. So what we want to discuss today is what will this roadmap look like? And most importantly, who should be involved in developing and implementing this just transition? The just transition concept, it emerged right alongside climate action. So the two need to go hand in hand. But since the idea of a just transition, different groups with different priorities have defined just transition differently according to their own needs. Some think it means a transition completely off of oil and not using fossil fuels ever again. Many others think it's transitioning to either using less oil or, for some, using a lot more particularly Canadian and ethically sourced oil. Regardless, a just transition means focusing on the worker and the communities who are impacted. What is the best way to ensure that as we take climate action, that people are not left behind? You know, Lynn, that's really interesting because when I think of a just transition, I could think of a just transition off of any source of non-Canadian energy or resources that we produce that we could be getting to other parts of the country. That could be a just transition away from supply of natural resources that we all depend upon from jurisdictions where they have lower standards for climate action, for environmental protection, ESG rankings, and of course, transparency, human rights, equality, and so on. So there's a lot of interesting definitions, I suppose, or ways that people can look at this discussion. I'm just curious. So tell us a little bit more, Lynn, where did the term just transition come from or originate? Sure, Cody. Well, as we all know, the United Nations has been putting out different reports on climate change for a long time. And it was really the big report that came out in October of 2018, where there were some alarmist concerns that we only had 12 years, is the number they were saying at the time, to make sure that we did not exceed 1.5 degrees of warming. So there was a lot of call to action to go to a lower carbon economy. Now, hand in hand with that, The United Nations put out a just transition paper that most people don't know about. It's a sister document to that call to action on climate. And the important piece here is they recognize that so many people, like here in Canada, are dependent on the natural resource sector. And so many people across the world are dependent on the affordable, reliable fuels we get from fossil fuels. And so, recognizing those things, how will we actually take action on climate? without leaving those people behind. So the concept of a just transition was really about ensuring that as we try to take action on climate, that we don't lose ground on good and decent jobs, on access to clean, affordable, reliable energy, and all the things that that impacts in terms of healthcare, education, and prosperity in a nation. So it is hand in hand with climate. You cannot have climate action be successful if half the population feels threatened by those policies. That's really interesting, Lynn. And, you know, I find it fascinating that a lot of the reporting about a lot of these 
very complex and technical 100-page documents from the IPCC and from the United Nations and from others, a lot of the reporting, it's really headline-driven. I know you've jumped into and done a deep dive on these documents. I've done a deep dive on these documents. I would really encourage most people to, you know, more people to go and look and do that deep dive because a lot of the time, there's a lot of groups that are taking bits and pieces and then redefining and then turning it into a headline. And then before you know it, you don't even know what the original point of the actual document was because it's been changed or warped or twisted to fit different narratives. But it's really interesting when you go in and do that deep dive on the source, the source code, so to speak. Yeah, Cody, what a great point. I mean, I think one thing is that having read through all these many pages of these documents, that actually the, the reports themselves tend to be very balanced. The headlines, however, from the spokespeople, even from those organizations, are quite alarmist. And part of the reason for that originally was that if there isn't a sense of urgency, then people won't take action. So there's some understanding there. But then there's other groups that have just taken it so far beyond sort of a space where it's reasonable in terms of what the world's needs are to to make sure that we have a good lifestyle for people while maintaining and protecting our environment. The document itself of Just Transition really focuses on the worker and the communities. And this is something that can be applied to all different kinds of spaces. We've seen transitions happen in resource-based economies, in fishery spaces, with forestry going up and down. I mean, these are things that happen all the time across the world. In Canada, specifically, one of the most recent cases is talking about a transition off of coal. And so not using coal, like using thermal coal as an energy source. And so that was something actually that Environment and Climate Change Canada commissioned a report in 2018. The results came out in 2019. So this is very current. And actually, Cody, this is something that the United Nations and a lot of their documents cites as a sort of best practices of how to do a just transition. Interesting. What is really curious about this for me, though, is that that transition task force put out this amazing report in March of 2019 that has a whole bunch of really good information, key findings. They talked to diverse coal communities and workers and related parties across Canada. They came back to the government and they said, here's a whole bunch of recommendations. And what is most alarming, I guess, maybe disappointing for me is that that report was fantastic. It really did try to find the balance between what does the community need? What does the worker need? What does the economy need? As well as what does the planet need? What does the environment need? The disappointing part is that we've seen very few of those recommendations come forward. Interesting. So our most recent example of this just transition process for thermal coal and the government's review showed that we were thus far largely unsuccessful in implementing a lot of the best practices and recommendations, which I hope would be a learning lesson. But if we repeat history, it would not bode well, perhaps, for some of these larger grandiose schemes and plans around a transition off of other parts of our resource economy. So uh, that's very interesting. When we look at investors, we're talking a lot about investment into Canada. We're talking a lot about investment that has left Canada. We're talking about attracting that investment back. Canada has an important role to play in the world in the future for resource demand, for food, for energy, for forestry, for you name it. 
what is the role of investors in just transition according to the UN? To be honest, most of these reports, they've done a great job. And the United Nations itself has set out something called the United Nations Principles for Responsible Investment. And these were outlined in COP, which is the Congress of Parties 24. You might have heard about the one that's coming up, you know, COP 26 to talk about climate action. So it's really a conference for the parties of the United Nations or the Paris Accord to talk about how they're going to take action. Well, COP 24 a whole bunch of different countries, including Canada, as well as different investors to the Silesia Declaration, signed on saying that as they invest, they are responsible for responsibly investing, one, to remove emissions, right? So we've talked about this a lot in terms of divestment. But again, just transition, climate change have to go hand in hand. Mm. So there is equally in those documents an obligation to make sure that the investment supports a just transition. So that would include things like we should be investing heavily according to that sort of set of principles in things like carbon capture, utilization, and storage. And how can we make sure that our investments are not only just decreasing emissions, but ensuring that communities and nations, in many cases, are not left behind as we push forward with our climate initiatives? See, and that's fascinating because we are already, as a country, a leader in carbon capture, utilization, and storage with a lot of really exciting possibilities and projects and ideas that are on the drawing board right now. And I think for the world, you know, moving forward, CCUS is a pillar of net zero and a pillar of uh, decarbonization and continuing to support homegrown innovation and technology and the collaboration that's happening in Canada in the resource space and in the oil and gas space, I think is absolutely critical. So it's interesting that there is a role there and, you know, hopefully we can continue to advance that, move that forward. And I'll say this, Cody, this kind of leads into the idea of how do different people define just transition? So one of the biggest misnomers, I think, that causes a lot of polarization in this country that always concerns me is when you get to extremist positions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk out there that a just transition means a transition completely off of oil and gas and fossil fuels. And that is nowhere in any of these United Nations documents. It does not appear anywhere, even in terms of Canada's documents. And just this past summer in July of 2021, Minister O'Regan from the Natural Resources uh, Ministry has put out a discussion paper on just transition, who should be involved. Mm -hmm. And so when you look through that document, again, the language Language never says we should be completely off of fossil fuels and oil and gas. The language is always about a transition to a lower carbon economy. And you and I both know that whether you are in mining or you are in oil and gas and energy, we all are moving towards lower carbon emissions. And we have many of the leaders in Canada that have made commitments to being net zero in the next 30 years. So we are already moving that direction. What's interesting for me is that a lot of people who live and work in a community where there's high emitting industries as a core to their community Mm -hmm. often feel threatened Mm -hmm. by the term just transition. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really unfortunate because the just transition is actually meant to serve them. But they've been convinced that a just transition means the end of their jobs, the end of their livelihood, not being able to support their families, not being able to have their kids in hockey and gymnastics, where just transition is actually there to serve them. And I think it's important that we educate people in those communities that this is their chance to participate meaningfully in moving to a low carbon economy without seeing 
the end of the industry that makes them thrive. Well, and you mentioned reducing the extremes. And I think it's unfortunate. It's sort of disgraceful, to be honest, that there are a lot of these extreme positions that are sort of manipulating some of these larger and more technical documents to pretend or claim that it is about the end of oil and gas. And it's actually not. It's about actually, in fact, what Canada's already been doing. You look at our record of reducing methane and flaring over the last 20 years. You look at our record of reducing upstream emissions from oil and gas production. You look at our record on carbon capture, utilization, and storage, and our record of collaboration within industries. It's unfortunate there is this mental impact on these families and these communities. And that's because the squeaky wheel on a lot of these subjects is a couple people willing to chain themselves to a door and they've got signs and or a position that maybe is not always uh, balanced or respectful or positive. And it's not actually talking about the core facts of what a just transition is supposed to be. So definitely reaching out to those communities, but also trying to counteract that real drumbeat of negativity and of doom, I think is really important. Uh, That's really good information, Lynn. You know, Cody, to that point, though, I will say this. Environmental activists do agree, though, that a just transitionally important, and they do agree that a lot of money will need to be put into that. Mm -hmm. And so even with some of the more vocal people focusing on perhaps a different definition of a just transition than Mm -hmm. what the United Nations or the government of Canada has put forth, but even at that, there is a recognition that all the time, it needs to be the worker in the community at the heart. Mm. And so I think where there's divergence is that where you and I would probably say that, you know, including that local community and that worker is exactly what you just finished saying. We're doing that here in Alberta and Newfoundland, all across Canada in our oil and gas sectors. We're trying to find the best ways to keep our communities thriving and surviving while removing our emissions, as opposed to simply saying that you need to change. So the principles of a just transition, Cody, that I think are important to discuss are that when you move to a low carbon economy, that you maintain the same quantity and quality of jobs in a community. And then the other pieces are temporal and geographic, meaning it doesn't help me if the jobs that are going to be replacing the ones that are lost as we move to a lower carbon economy don't show up until 10 years from now. And it doesn't help me if I want to grow up in the community you know, where my family lives, that all the jobs that are going to be emerging are in a different place. And so a just transition says that I should not, as an energy worker, have to take all the burden of the cost of this transition and that other people in Canada don't face any of those burdens. And so I think the biggest piece for me on the activism is that it should be those people most impacted that have the say and that are central to what is going on. And that is the whole point behind a just transition principle. Mm. It is at the very heart is the worker, is the community, where you give them the tools and the resources to decarbonize their own communities mm-hmm. in ways that make sense. Mm-hmm. Other principles include that you need time. And you and I both know that the transition off of fossil fuels, if we get to the point where we no longer need them, okay, but until that point, we all agree this should be sourced in Canada, the highest quality, the highest ethics. But until that happens, what are we going to do with those families that are here that don't have a chance to transition to other jobs? And then furthermore, the other question that comes up is, if I'm an oil and gas worker, and Mm -hmm. you can speak to this, and someone says, oh, well, we need to transition off of fossil fuels. 
it's a little bit hard for me as an oil and gas worker to swallow and say, so you want me to quit my job that I trained for in good faith, that I have been working at to serve my community, Mm -hmm. my country, to develop revenues, and you want me to retrain for something new, move my family to another place, face job insecurity and all the emotional and mental baggage that can go with that. At the same time that you're still using fossil fuels imported from another country, it's a little bit hard for me to say that this is a necessary piece right now. And that's another piece of the Just Transition puzzles is bridging that gap. I really, really, really liked what you said about families and communities. And that's the core principles of Just Transition is that families and communities and workers are at the the center, not on the peripheral. They're not being told what to do by some international anti-pipeline group or anti-energy group or whatever group. They're at the focal point of this entire process. Also, if we're not careful, instead of a just transition, we will end up with unjust substitution. Like you said, we will be importing oil and gas and the products made from oil and gas and the products made possible by metallurgical coal and electricity even in jurisdictions powered by thermal coal that could have been powered by Canadian natural gas Or even when jurisdictions are using thermal coal, it might be produced in jurisdictions where they don't have the same environmental standards for water and people and communities and land reclamation as Canada does. So there's so many different aspects to this unjust substitution. And as long as the world is using these resources and Canada has an opportunity to be producing them with the lowest possible net environmental impact, it doesn't make sense to be moving off of Canadian sourced products and resources onto others. And that could ultimately be the unjust substitution that we want to make sure we're careful of. Yeah. This was such a great conversation today, Lynn. I think this just transition is a really important topic. And I really enjoyed a deep dive today from your informed perspective on what these documents, what the source code says. And what we need to remember is that it's about workers, it's about families, we need to be thinking about substitution, we need to also be recognizing what Canada has been doing, lowering emissions, I think always talking about our environmental leadership and progress. We're not perfect, we're always moving forward, we're always trying to get better, but uh, we got to keep workers, families, people at the center of this discussion. Absolutely, Cody. And just on a final note, for those of you who are feeling that a just transition is perhaps a threat to your livelihood, I would encourage you to look a little more carefully. This is an opportunity for those workers who work in these industries to be at the center and to be masters of their own future. And the principles that are supposed to be in here is that you have one, enough time to prepare for any transition to a lower carbon economy again, not a transition away from fossil fuels, that workers themselves should be at the focus, not those people from maybe urban centers or communities that are not as directly impacted. This is the portion where the resource worker is at the heart. And so I think it's really important that people make their voices heard. The government right now is looking for feedback on how to execute a just transition without trying to completely socially re-engineer our country. And so I would encourage all of our listeners as resource workers and supporters of resource families 
to step up and let your voices be heard because that is the intention and that's actually an obligation that we have under the Paris Accord. So great talking to you again today, Cody. And uh, we're always open at Canada Action to hear questions and comments from our listeners that will be interested in learning more. We also have a couple of blogs on this on our website. So check out canadaaction.ca for more information. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Cody. 